Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Welcome into the show. Dan, how you doing, my man? You ready to talk Giants draft this week? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm always excited to talk draft. I, I think this year, perhaps more than any other year, it's a, it's a little bit more involved and stressful uh, <laughs> talking about the Giants draft, but... Uh, We'll delve into that a little bit here in a moment. But, yeah. yeah, it's almost draft time. Exciting time of year. I'm sure Giants fans are thrilled to see who the next group of guys they're going to misuse are. Um, so we're only a couple weeks away now. And uh, it's reset time. Everybody's hopeful. Easily the most wild team entering this draft, right? The Giants are. The picks at number 5, 7, 36, 67, and 81. Five picks in the top 81. Everyone talks about how many top 100 picks they have, Dan. The Giants have five in the top 81. Uh, and it just needs all over the place, right? Glaring needs at key positions like right tackle and safety and stuff like this, tight end. Then just a laundry list of other spots that, you know, where they have needs like linebacker, edge, running back. Just depth is sorely needed everywhere. There's some juice around the Giants possibly trading back, stockpiling picks for 2023. They could go any which way, any kind of direction. Uh, I just feel like they're the most intriguing team entering this draft, which makes it fun to talk about. And I know we don't want to give away the selections, but the Giants Wire team have been working on their big mock draft that they're going to put out, right? You're going to put it out early next week, I think is the plan. And you you told me before we started recording that you guys have already started over like multiple times, right? Because every mock draft you you do, you're like, oh, we got to go back. We, we forgot to get a safety or we got to go back. We didn't address edge, right? Like there's so many needs that you almost don't feel like you get it right. Yeah, it's uh, it's very complicated. And I, and it's the most complicated that it's ever been in my career covering the Giants doing a mock draft just because of the abundance of need that have at multiple key positions. And even with nine picks, we're discovering in the process through these simulations is what we're running. Um, that with nine picks, you just don't have enough to actually fill all of the areas of need. And and so many of them are significant that it's, it's really shaping up, especially if they trade down or back or for you know, 2023 draft capital, what have you, they, they do not have enough in this draft to actually address all their needs. And they're going to have to sacrifice a position or two. And that's, that's kind of surreal in its own way. Nine picks doesn't address all the needs like that is, that's just crazy talk. <laughs> they have nine selections in this draft. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. wild. Yeah. Um, I want to start the draft, uh, our like our draft preview show, Dan, with a, like a simple question. Given all the needs they have, all the crap that's going on, the new regime coming in, Joe Shane getting the finances in order. I mean, one little tidbit in one of your Giants Wire articles that really stuck out to me was that the Giants might not be able to afford nine draft picks this year, which really stuck out to me. This could go uh, every which way. 
But what, what would you say is the number one priority for the Giants in the 2022 season? Given all that we know that's going on, all that they're trying to fix, what would you say is the number one priority for the team? Well, I mean, outside of the issues that they need to correct with personnel, they've got to keep their guys on the field. If they're injured, you know, the most injured team in the NFL since 2009 by a, a ridiculous margin, let's be honest, it's absolutely absurd. You're not going to be able to evaluate any of the talent you, you have, any of the talent you have coming in, any of the talent you signed in the offseason if you don't keep guys healthy and on the field. Obviously, they need to make a long-term decision on Daniel Jones. His option will come up before the season starts, but they still need to determine whether they pick that up or not, what they view for him in the future. And in order to establish that and come to some sort of resolution on that, they need to keep everybody on the field and healthy, including Daniel Jones himself. And on top of that, what they need to do is once and for all fix the offensive line. So going into the draft, I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody the number one priority obviously has to be taking an offensive tackle, period. There's no debate there. It is what it is. Get that tackle in there. Fix this offensive line once and for all. At least it's set it up to be fixed in the future and, and then move on from there and start to address the other 5,000 needs that this team has. Yeah, and we were talking like in some of these mock drafts that are coming up, people are getting so bored mocking like Evan Neal and uh, Ekwanu to the Giants that they're starting to get crazy, right? It's like now some mock drafts are the, they're just ignoring offensive line in the first round altogether. It's like, oh no, oh no, we're not doing this, right? Like, uh, like I'm with you. I think I think they have to draft an offensive tackle in the first round, even if they do trade back. And and my take on this was, you know, a lot of what you just said, I I agree 100 percent with. Uh, staying healthy, yes, and keeping Daniel Jones healthy and being able to evaluate him here, right? Like. I feel like Jones is the number one priority. Like he is your former sixth overall pick, right? Final year of his rookie deal. He still isn't under contract for the 2023 season. We'll see what happens with that fifth year option. But is Daniel Jones the future, right? Everyone with the Giants keeps telling us that they believe in him, including ownership. John Mara just reminded us that the quarterback is the most important position in sports, right? Uh, and the Giants right now, as we speak, Dan, are yet to commit to him beyond 2022. So, they have to evaluate him with the new regime. They got to make a decision on Jones. And couldn't that that's a decision that I think will ultimately shape the Giants rebuild here more than this draft class could, right? It, the quarterback is the guy and they got to figure out Jones. And if your priority is figuring out the quarterback and I think we all agree that although they had a visit with Malik Willis, right? Like I don't think they're going to draft one of these guys in this year's class. Like how could that mindset affect the team strategy on day 1? of this year's draft. And I think, you know, I feel the buzz, Dan, around them moving back and, and accumulating more draft capital for 2023. And I think that's an interesting topic and I want to get into that. If they do make one selection in the top seven, I don't want them to get cute and draft Sauce Gardner. I don't want them to get cute and draft an edge rusher. I want them to just take the tackle, Dan, protect Daniel Jones, keep him healthy as you were talking about, and mm -hmm. try to evaluate him and try to make a decision on if he's getting the second contract. So Absolutely. even if they only make one pick, I want it to be tackle. I don't want it to be anything else. Well, let, even if you eliminate Daniel, let's just hypothetically, Daniel Jones is eliminated from the equation and, and Tyrod Taylor is thrust in there as half the Giants fan base wants him to be. The same principle still applies. This is an injury-prone quarterback who hasn't been provided the opportunity through bad personnel and injuries, very many fluke injuries at that throughout his career, that he's almost a carbon copy of Daniel Jones, maybe in just a little bit of a different way. So the same principle would 
what would apply there as it would to Daniel Jones. So either way you look at it, the Giants would need to keep the quarterback, Jones or Taylor, healthy, protected, and, you know, his guys on the field. So, yeah, you're absolutely correct. It has to be an offensive tackle. Uh, granted, yes, they need an edge rusher. They potentially need a quarterback if Bradbury's uh, traded. They only have two safeties on the roster. They don't really have a starting tight end. They need depth at running back. Yeah, well, they got a lot of problems, but that's certainly, <laughs> certainly the biggest, the biggest one. And as far as the potential for trading back and the notion that they want to have 2023 draft capital, capital, I understand that too, primarily because the quarterback class is expected to be better. So they're sort of hedging their bets looking at it like insurance. No one's expecting them to go out and go to the playoffs or win the Super Bowl this year. They know it's going to be a rough year. Even Vegas has them at seven wins, which I think is potentially high. Yeah. If they stay healthy, maybe that's a whole other conversation for down the line, though. Um, I, I can see them why they want to hedge their bets on 2023, because if Jones does bomb out, you know, then they have the capital to move around within the first round and and essentially take whatever quarterback it is they want and then have the security blanket that is Taylor backing them up. So the Giants have to make one of those two picks. They have to take a right tackle. And then if they trade back, I get it. If they don't, you know, hopefully they can afford it. Um, they will be able to, of course, obviously, to be able to move the money around. But that might result in, you know, moves that, that Joe, uh, Joe Shane doesn't necessarily want to make. But again, that's another topic of conversation for another day. So first round, take your tackle. If you trade back, great. If you don't, there's plenty of other solid players to take at number seven overall. Or, you know, or number five over overall, depending on which, you know, pick they decide to move, if they decide to move one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, I mean, you're so cash-strapped that making all nine picks in this draft feels kind of unlikely. And, and I agree with you. They could do it. Uh, but from a spending standpoint, if Joe Shane is still getting his finances in order, I think moving back, accumulating those assets, pushing it down to 2023 um, makes some sense. Uh, I think hedging on the quarterback, right, setting yourself up to go after C.J. Stroud from Ohio State or Bryce uh, Young from Alabama makes sense too, right? If, if you decide DJ's not getting that second contract, you want to move on from him. Uh, but if you're making a trade back, Dan, you got to trade with somebody who sucks, right? Because you got to get high in the draft. You got to get high yeah. in the first round to have a shot at one of those guys. I mean, I think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud wouldn't wouldn't they be above any prospect in this year's draft? The two of them, I would, I would certainly think so. Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So if you want to, so if you decide, all right, Jones isn't our guy. We want to go after one of these studs in the twenty twenty three draft. You still got to put yourself in a position with that twenty twenty three first round, that extra one you get to go get one of these guys. You know, right. well, maybe the Giants will be so bad that they'll be up there anyway. But, uh, you know, that's interesting. Who are you going to trade with? Uh, who's your partner? Uh, well, that, that whole part is a gamble because you're yeah. right. Like you do have to sort of gamble on the fact that if you're making that trade, it's it's got to be a team that's expected to have a poor record this coming season. Because if you trade back with the Super Bowl winner and you get the number 32 pick, the value on that in terms of the value, value sheet is um, – significantly less than it would be if it were a top 10 pick. So, you know, the Giants got to make sure they're careful and get the value out of that pick, you know, because if you're trading back and you're trading a five or a seven and, and you get, say, a 13 this year and a, a 32 next year, you know, you, you did get the extra pick, but how much did you really gain from that? Right, exactly. And so, you know, if your number one priority, which I think, you know, it should be is to to truly evaluate DJ in the final year of his contract, you got to put him in the best situation to evaluate him, Dan, and you should address the neglect that we saw from the previous regime. Remember, they did not draft an offensive lineman last year, and it showed. It showed. 
And I see the appeal with Sauce Gardner, right? And I've seen him mock to the Giants at number five uh, in, a, in plenty of mock drafts. And I see the appeal there, like the connection to Wink Martindale, that island corner, so he can do all his exotic stuff and, and just shut down one, like one side of the field. I mean, I get it. Uh, but like for me, it all, it all comes back to DJ, right? Like what's more important, Wink's defense or, or evaluating the quarterback? And I, I just think it, it comes back to that. Is it Ika McWanu? Is it Evan Neal? Like I don't care. Just give me that right tackle to pair you know, with Thomas on the other side and like use that other pick to trade back and accumulate picks if you want or use that pick to address one of your other million you know, million yeah. needs. It's not and a I sexy mean, take, but like, no, I feel like they, they have to go that way, Dan. They do. They, do. They, have, they have to be extremely deliberate and, and careful about the decisions that they make. They, they can't, they can't afford to screw up one of those early picks or if it's a trade, they can't afford to, they just can't, they're not in a position where they're able to make that mistake. So they've got to be extremely confident in whatever decision that they ultimately decide and then they just have to kind of roll with it and hope everything works out. Um, you know, unfortunately, Gettleman left them in just a remarkably <laughs> tough spot, both financially and in terms of personnel. Uh, so it's not a, it's not an easy task. I, I I certainly don't envy Shane and company going into this draft with all the issues that they've got, uh, especially with the lacking financials at this point, because it's not like they can come out on the other side of this draft class and then immediately start signing whatever veterans are left over. Um, because they just they don't have the money to do that, um, so they, they've like I said they've got to be extremely careful and ex- extremely d- deliberate in, in what it is that they do and their approach to this whole thing. And I think one of the luxuries that they do have is that whether it's a Quanu, whether it's Neil, or whether it's Charles Cross, um, you know, it's pretty idiot proof, um, as as my colleague John Fennelly would say, it's very idiot proof in that in that situation because you can't whiff on any of them. Yeah, I like that line. Yeah, I like that line a lot. And like, what can we read into from some of the pre-draft stuff, right? Like the visits, the the pro days the Giants have had, uh, Dan, those those top 30 uh, workouts they've had. They call that, that's what it's called, right? They have, you, you, yeah, you have the top 30s. Uh, we know Joe Shane attended the pro days at Alabama, Oregon, Georgia, and Cincinnati, right? Including those schools. So this is why we're seeing these, you know, Ekwanu, Neil, Gardner, Thibodeau, like uh, Trayvon Walker, like all these guys are getting mocked to the Giants because it makes sense that you know Joe Shane himself, the GM, was at the pro day, uh, looking at these guys. Uh, so, what do you think? Like we've learned, like what kind of puzzle pieces can we put together based on what the Giants have been doing, the due diligence they've done on certain guys? Like, uh, you know, we could say it's getting boring at this point because we're seeing the same guys mocked to the Giants over and over and over again, but. Maybe it's just like maybe it's going to be a boring draft, and we get the guys that we want, and we're all happy at the end, right? Like, that could be possible. But Honestly, what I have think, you learned think, from the pre-draft? Well, first of all, I think boring would be in the Giants' best interest. <laughs> yes, like, yes, just just be boring and get it right. You know, we don't need you to be taking chances and doing silly things. <laughs> um, and what was the other question you said there? I'm sorry. I, I was just I was just asking, like, what what have you gotten out of the pre-draft? Like, what's uh, the pre-draft yeah. visit? Yeah, I, you know, it's hard to tell because this is what they call smoke season, and you know, sometimes the teams will bring in players that they're legitimately not interested in just to try and get other teams to react and, and potentially force a trade, etc. Uh, as far as the Giants, I think one of the biggest takeaways that you can have from all the pre-draft visits is the number of running backs that they've met with. Uh, it's very clear to me, and I don't. I certainly don't think it's smoke because they're obviously not going to use 
uh, one of their first round picks or probably even their second round pick on a running back. But they're, what they're doing is they're digging in deep on the running back class from that round three and on. And to me, that tells me that in one of the, you know, in the mid rounds there, whether it's number 36, number 67, I think number 81 probably is too far gone. They're going to take a running back. So when you're looking at those picks, number five, 99% chance you've got the right tackle there. Number seven, open for business. Number 36, number 67, one of those is going to go to a running back. And, um, you know, and, that, and therein lies the problem that the Giants are facing. Uh, but but ultimately what I would say from the from the pre-draft visits is they're they're very keen on on taking a running back. And they were also doing their due diligence and digging in deep on a lot of edge rushers, which isn't necessarily a surprise. Uh, they did look at some of the top end talent at, along the edge more so than some of the mid round talent along the edge, which, you know, would lead me to believe that if, you know, as long as it's not, again, not, not smoke and nonsense, um, that if they do keep both of their first round picks, there's a strong chance that it's going to be a tackle and an edge rusher. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of edge, a lot of edge guys in, uh, when they met, they met with Malik Willis and Sam and Sam Howell, the quarterback from UNC. Uh, is that just due diligence, Dan? In your opinion, or you know, what, what do you think? Why why are they meeting with those you know top quarterbacks in this class? Well, it, it's got to be due diligence. One, I mean, you've got to do it. You, it. Whether or not you end up taking one of those guys, one of them slips. You know, there's a crazy scenario in which one falls in your lap in the mid round somehow. Probably not going to happen, but if it does, you've got to know. But, you know, beyond that, you've also, you're going to be playing these guys. You're not going to draft them all. You're going to be playing them. Might as well yeah. get to know them a little bit. Yeah. Um, use what the league gives you in terms of that. Uh, and then I think the third wing of that whole, you know, that whole approach is you got picks five and seven. Um, there are teams, maybe not one and two, but the rest of those teams are either interested in quarterbacks, need quarterbacks, or in a position to trade back for a team that needs a quarterback. So the Giants drumming up. Um, you know, quote unquote, interest in these quarterbacks kind of puts pressure on the other teams to say, listen, we're going to have to move up. We're going to have to move around and and get up there and take some of these quarterbacks because we can't risk missing, missing out on them. And whether or not that means that they want to trade with the Giants and the Giants get what they want in terms of future uh, draft assets or not. Any kind of quarterback frenzy benefits the Giants because that means there's less quality players at positions of need that are taking off the board, giving them more to choose from. Or like I said, they're able to maneuver that and trade back and get additional assets. So either way, um, feigning interest in quarterbacks potentially benefits the Giants. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it, it's, it is interesting because they got five picks in the top 81. I mean, they could get, Dan, one of the top offensive tackles, one of the top edge rushers, one of the top tight ends like they mm -hmm. met with Trey McBride right like they could go get Trey McBride and even at one of the top running backs with, yeah, with one of those top five picks they could hit all of those positions mm -hmm. if they wanted to mm -hmm. they're in that position if they stay pat that that's what makes this so fascinating and then you know later in the draft you can attack guard and safety and corner and <laughs> line inside linebacker and, well, and all those well. other all those other needs so but they're set up like with those first five picks like we talk about it being boring, but they could actually get exciting players with each and every one of those picks, like guys that are at the top of the rankings. And they've they met with these guys, five, Brees right. Hall, Trey McBride, like they've met right. with all these guys. They could get five day one starters potentially. Yeah. They, they yep. absolutely could. Absolutely. Um, and even if they don't go edge with one of their two, they, let's assume they keep all the picks and they don't go edge with one of the first two. You know, there are, there are plenty of talented 
you know, second round, third round edge rushers that are, are going to be available. Maybe they're not quite as game changing off the, you know, out of the, out of the gate as a Thibodeau or a Hutchinson or, or, or some of those guys, but they're quality capable day one starters. And that would allow the Giants to take the right tackle, potentially a safety with the number seven pick. Kyle Hamilton's a good example. Um, and then, you know, maybe if, if if all goes well, they can get a quality tight end at, at 81. A start, you know, not necessarily starting running back, but, you know, a running back for um, to add to the room at number 67. A Brees Hall is someone that, that constantly falls into that range in terms of mock simulations. Mock I, like him there. Like I like them there, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, all of those things are, are, are potentially great options for the Giants. They can... They can wiggle in and out of some of those, but then they do have other problems. Like you know, like we said, though they they need a punter, they need potentially a cornerback, they need a nose tackle, maybe and you know another inside linebacker. There's a lot of talk, although I don't agree with it, about them potentially targeting a wide receiver. Um, and therein lies the problem that the Giants face, though they could get five day one starters over the first five picks and still come out too short in this draft. Yeah, they'll still have five glaring needs that they need to address. Uh, yeah, wide receiver is an interesting one. That was Mel Kuyper, right? ESPN. Mel, yeah. Kuyper, uh, yeah. Mel Kuyper said, oh, don't be surprised if the Giants are, are tar- targeting wide receiver on day two. Yeah. And uh, In round two, no less. Oh, yeah. round two. Yeah so, the, yeah. yeah, so round two. And it's like, well, we just we just got Kadarius Toney and we got Kenny Galladay. We're paying him a bunch of money and we, we got Sterling Shepard back. And it's like, like what's wrong with the wide receiver core? It's like unless you're like just worried that they're going to keep getting hurt, Dan, and you can't keep yeah. them on the field. Like I just wide receivers so far down my list this year. Um, you know it was, it was I understood it last year, but it's so far down my list this year for them. Like I don't know I don't know how it would feel if they went after wide receiver. I know wide receivers are very deep class, and there's going to be a lot of competition for those guys in this draft. I just think when you look at the needs the Giants have, wide receiver to me is just like. I don't know. I'd, I'd be a little disappointed if they take a wide receiver with one of their first five. I can see why some fans would be happy with it. Because, listen, because all of those guys, everyone, all of the Giants wide receivers are, are injury prone. That's just the way, that's just the reality of it. Right. And that kind of goes back to what I said before. The key this season is you've got to keep these guys on the field. What? What? How do you know what you have if you can't? Like, it just they've got to be able to stay on the field. They've got to be able to contribute. They've got to be able to play. I understand that that's a concern. You know, the history with those guys is that they don't. And um, that could be a reason why the Giants want to go wide receiver. But the problem with that is, is not only does it leave a void at one of the other much more dire areas of need that they have, the Giants already have the highest paid wide receiver corps in the NFL right now. They're number going one. Into the season, number one most expensive wide receiver corps in the NFL. Wow. Even with Sterling Shepard's pay cut. Wow. So how much more do you want to spend on that position when you have so many other areas of, of need? And I think that's the major problem with that line of thinking is that the Giants just don't have that luxury. They've got to bank on the fact that the wide receivers they have are going to be functional and they're going to have to work to keep them on the field. I mean, that's that's Dayball's biggest task, toughest task is how do I keep my guys healthy? How do I reverse the trend for the New York Giants of everybody getting injured every single year? Uh, I know he's I mean, talked about it. He's answered the question, guys, but how do you do that? 
Yeah, if those guys get hurt, there's no doubt about it. They're going to run into a problem. But I, I think the issue there is that you've got the depth. You've you've got Galladay. You've got Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, and other quality players like David Sills and C.J. Board. They're not bad players. They they stepped in last year and showed that they were able to function. David Sills works out with Daniel Jones religiously, so they have a great rapport. So you've got some depth there. So if you lose one or two guys, you can keep going down. Yes, it gets thinner. But when you look at, like, tight end, if the Giants get injured at tight end, there ain't nobody there. Safety, if they get injured, there's nobody there. Edge, if they get injured, there's nobody there. They don't have that luxury at these other positions. And that's why I just don't buy into the whole notion that they'd be looking at a wide receiver and run on two. Yeah, and, and there's some under-the-radar positions defensive line like you you were talking about a nose tackle before we started recording right like defensive yeah. line super thin uh inside linebacker that could use that position too speaking of injuries right injury problems at that position right. uh i i did my my spit out the coffee moment on uh, reading through giants wire this week dan was when i saw nicobe dean getting mocked to the to the giants at number seven overall <laughs> you know that one that one made me spit out the coffee from pff i'm like whoa 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 so the giants are taking sauce Gardner number five and nicobe dean at number seven like i thought nicobe dean was going he was getting mocked at the end of the first round in every I other draft i've seen so that one made me spit out my coffee it's like wh- what are we going what are we doing here but in our initial simulation too actually in our first three simulations dean fell to the giants in round two round two so there it is so yeah. you know i'm like you know my patriots I would like Nicobe Dean for the Patriots at twenty one. I don't think the he's going to fall. Out, yeah, I don't think he's going to fall out of round one. I really don't. But at number yeah. seven, you're right. I just maybe. Hey, listen, I'm not Mel Kiper Jr. I'm not. You know, I'm not Daniel Jeremiah. I'm not proclaiming to be any of those guys. It just to me, from what I know, from what I've researched, from what I've watched, that just doesn't. It doesn't fit with what the Giants need, and the and the placement, the pick, the projection doesn't necessarily fit either. He's a very talented linebacker. There's no doubt about it. He would actually be a good fit for the Giants, just not at five or seven, and not with those other needs. Good for content, you know. Good for good for it's content great, on the it's Giants. Great wire. for clicks, man. Yeah, Listen, when you're repeating every mock draft is the same thing, and you need something different. Let me tell you what PFF got their clicks out of that one. Thank you, PFF. We appreciate that um, <laughs> here at Giants Wire. Uh, so I mean, but. You know, defensive line, linebacker, there's some under-the-radar positions, Dan, that they might they might not get to, right? They might not get to them in this draft, but there, there are some under-the-radar under uh, needs when you look at the depth chart and just how thin they are. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think linebacker, defensive tackle, uh, those are on there. Let, let's let's kind of end it here. Like, who's your favorite? Like, who's your favorite fit for the Giants? Without giving anything away from the mock draft that's coming out soon from Giants Wire, um, who do you think is the best fit for the Giants? Like the singular player in this draft that you think, you know, would a, is a dream guy. It, maybe it's Aiden Hutchinson, right? A guy that's like a dream that probably won't fall there. Like, who do you think is like the dream fit for the team that you'd be like, you know, pumping your fist, high five in the lampshade, uh, you know, on on that Thursday night of the draft? What do you think? Any one of the three right tackles. <laughs> yeah. So as long as they go right tackle, you're high fiving the lampshade. I know that's boring. Uh, I personally listen, and I said this earlier. I think all three of the tackles are, are extremely talented. I think they're all going to do very well in the NFL, pro ball, all pro, maybe even Hall of Fame, maybe not all three of them, but I think they've got a good chance. Aquanu um, bullies grown men like perhaps no one I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. Um, and I'm a real dirty kind of guy when it comes to football. I love the line of scrimmage. I love the hit and I love the physicality of it. I always did when I played. Um, so personally, from that, that standpoint, coupled with need i 
I think Aquanu would be just a tremendous addition. Plus, he's got some versatility that comes along with it. I think another one would be, and I, you know, and I'll tell you right now, this in our initial mock drafts didn't happen. If we redo it, it may happen. But I think another ideal fit, despite some of the low forty times, which I'll tell you right now, you know, caution to anybody who listens to me. I don't place the value in a straight line speed that so many other people do, mainly because you're not running straight lines without pads on in the NFL. You know, that doesn't generally happen. Uh, Right. Would be Kyle Hamilton. I think that uh, arguably he is the best prospect available period at a position of need for the giants and him teamed up with Xavier McKinney and then Julian love in the fold. That's, that's appetizing. I'm not going to lie. Yep, it is. Yeah. I mean, a real chance to get a staple, an anchor on both sides of the ball at five and seven. It's it's definitely possible for the Giants. So uh, And I know they have a lot of needs offensively. Like I'm not I'm not disputing that. And they certainly have, you know, needs along the edge and some other things like that. But, you know, you're you're talking about a general consensus top three player, arguably the top player, period. In the draft, AI says, I said, in a position of need, teaming it with a teaming him with another young player who has very much has all pro potential in him um, as well. I think that would be, you know, just tremendous. And I think that would help, you know, a good secondary helps the pass rush just as much as a good pass rush helps the secondary. So, you know what, maybe in that scenario, they would have to sacrifice one of those top edge rushers uh, for Kyle Hamilton. But I think that would help the pass rush. You know, it would still allow them to take one later on. I don't know if it's going to happen just for all of the reasons that we just discussed. But as a fan, yeah, I, I don't know that anybody would be disappointed in getting the best prospect in the draft and not even with the first pick of the team. Yeah, I, I, I think they'd have a hard time booing Hamilton. And they'd have a hard time, you know, if Giants fans I'm talking about would have a hard time booing Thibodeau. They'd have a hard time booing Gardner, right? right. The, only, the only way I'm booing is if they don't end up with a, one of these top right ta- uh, tackles you know that, right. that's it they just give me one of them if you trade back then you better you better draft the tackle then uh if you make both picks one of them has to be the tackle well they neglected right. it if last you, year can't do it again right if you whiff on those three right tackles and i'm not saying listen the tackle class isn't terrible there are other good tackles but those three are on a very different level so if you whiff on those three i don't care what the rest the giants do in the rest of the draft as far as i'm concerned they failed yep i agree and you know what last year as just you know, as crappy as that year was, Dan, from the moment they went to 0-3, we were like, oh, no, oh, no, this is what it's going to be all year, isn't it? Uh, the one the great thing that happened was Andrew Thomas right. ended up not sucking, and he ended up being yeah. like a, a looking like a franchise left tackle. Yeah. So yep. you pair Who's him. Improving? Who improved and improved yes, and improved yes. and improved? That was like one of the big takeaways. Like, Andrew Thomas, that wasn't a, a botched pick. Like, he's a, he's a guy. So yes, give me the other anchor, and now now you you're turning like one of your biggest weaknesses over the last few years into a you know a perceived strength now, going forward. Yeah. So uh, again, I mean, if you put, listen, if you got Andrew Andrew Thomas and you book him with one of those three tackles, I, I don't care what happens in the rest of the line. That is a substantial improvement from anything that we've seen on this team in the last decade plus. Man, I can't wait. All right, so 
Looking forward to this Giants Wire mock draft. How many how many times are you guys going to redo it over the weekend, Dan? Are you done? Is it ready? Or are you going to you going to go one more one more take at it to see if you can feel better about it? <laughs> I don't know. Well, the, the problem is, is you, the other problem with that is, is to be fair, you've got uh, you've got like seven people, and and seven people have seven different ideas about how they want True. Yeah. the draft to go. But I, but yeah, it is interesting that it, it, how much that was compounded by how terrible the Giants roster is. So. Here, here's the reality of the mock draft. No matter what we settle on, we're going to get crap for it because they're <laughs> going to because there's going to be something missing from it. Yeah. And and unfortunately, the Giants are in such a dire situation that there is no way to avoid that with even nine picks. There's going to be a position or two that are going to be sacrificed for the good of the other positions. And right now, what we're discussing is is just not necessarily the players themselves but which positions we want to sacrifice. And it's almost surreal to have to have those conversations when you've got nine picks, five of which come in the top 81. Let the crap fly, Dan. I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right, there it is. For Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us for our little draft preview episode. Um, are we back next week, Dan? Are we doing one more of these? Yeah, why not? What? Who knows what happened? Maybe Bradbury will be traded by then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If there's if there's news to cover before the draft, we'll be back. <laughs> if not, we'll talk to you afterwards and, and break it all down. They'll be we'll be happy about something and pissed about another, right, Dan? Like there's just that's a no guarantee. doubt about it. That's a guarantee. No doubt about it. Thanks for joining us for the Giants Wire podcast this week. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.